Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about ways to create a culture in your organization where people feel psychologically safe to engage in difficult conversations, resulting in a more vibrant, respectful, and accountable workplace. With me today is Kelly Charles Collins. Kelly is a keynote and award-winning TEDx speaker, retired trial attorney, and law firm partner, and author. She is a sought-after authority on the topics of courageous conversations, unconscious bias, and women's empowerment, and has been featured in some of the biggest media publications and outlets around the world, including ABC, NBC, CBS, Time.com, Forbes, and Fast Company. Kelly's expertise lies in empowering leaders and teams to shatter the internal silence that often surrounds difficult conversations and toxic situations in the workplace. She aims to keep companies out of courtrooms and newsrooms by proactively addressing issues related to diversity, unconscious bias, and employee engagement. Welcome, Kelly. It's great to have you here with me this morning. Oh, my God. It's so great to be here with you. Thank you. You are welcome. To get us started, can you talk a little bit about how you got started helping leaders and organizations improve their ability to have difficult conversations that, if left unchecked, can become toxic in an organization? Well, this has been a long time uh, <laughs> passion of mine. So I started practicing law. You know, I was a retired, um, I'm a retired employment law attorney. And I started practicing employment law way back in 1998. And one of the things working with my clients and training them and watching what was happening in organizations is that I realized that uh, it's a lot of stuff going on here that needs to be addressed proactively. Right. So they were coming into my office after it's all been a problem. But I started to realize that if we could proactively help our clients create different cultures, then, yeah, I could be sort of putting myself out of work. But even if they did end up in my office, I knew that they had created an environment that whatever was happening was like a one off. Right. It wasn't the actual culture of the organization. And then in 2019, I retired from the practice of law, but I had been thinking from the year before, like, how do I continue what I'm doing? So really, I call it leveraging my profession to pursue my purpose and really um, take what I knew as a lawyer, get out of the confines of being a lawyer and create these organizations, create these cultures and organizations where they wouldn't end up in newsrooms and courtrooms. And so I started to look at everything that I had encountered and all the cases that I had tried and you know how juries had ruled on the cases. And it made me really realize that what, what's missing often in our organizations is the understanding that organizations are made up of people. We're always measuring like numbers. We like to measure numbers and we like to measure things and we like to measure processes, but we don't focus on people. And so when I decided to embark on a full-time entrepreneurial journey as a professional speaker, that's where I wanted to focus was on the people. And so that's why I honed in originally on um, disrupting unconscious bias. And then in the wake of George Floyd's murder, really then started thinking about, no, we got to really have these conversations. Yeah. So in thinking about what I've experienced and seen throughout my career, there's uh, definitely a tendency for some fear to enter into people's mm -hmm. minds when uh, having these types of conversations. This fear can grow when thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion or unconscious bias, like you're talking about, which can lead to avoidance uh, of a conversation altogether. 
Why do you think people have so much fear around these conversations? So the fear around having these conversations comes from many factors, right? One is we don't know what to say. We don't know how to start the conversation. We're afraid that we are going to say something that's going to offend someone. We are afraid that we're going to be retaliated against or we're going to be ostracized. When George Floyd was murdered and then the companies, you know, companies all of a sudden started talking about race and racism, which they had never done before, um, and they were hiring me to do listening sessions, one of the things that I learned was that people really do want to have these types of conversations. But to your point, there's a fear that comes with that. And the fears that they really expressed was like, Kelly, I don't know what to say. I don't even know how to start this conversation. I don't know, you know, what's going to happen to me if I do have this conversation. Those are real fears. And it causes us to not have conversations. It causes us to not address issues in the workplace. And so we have to help people. And, and, you know, it's not even so much overcome the fear, right? Because we often think about like, oh, you have to overcome your fears. No, you just have to get some courage. And courage is not the absence of fear, right? So it, it, like fear, being fearless is not the absence of fear. It's a presence of courage. And so we just need to get people to understand the benefits to having the conversation. And I think once we do that and once that and also give them the skills, right? So effective communication is an art and a skill. So they need the skills. And that's why I started my whole um, Convo Catalyst experience and Perfect Framework, because I wanted to give people those skills so that they would be more courageous to have these conversations. So we could dig a little deeper. What are some of the things that people can do to kind of get started in a conversation and uh, maybe alleviate some of that fear and, and get some of that uh, courageous feeling that they need? So when I was looking at this, I decided that Again, people needed something. They need a guidepost, right? And so I developed what I call the perfect framework for courageous conversations. So there's three phases, prepare, engage, reflect. When I'm training leaders, training their teams, I'm always saying to them, listen, if you don't remember anything else that I tell you about this framework, right? Remember that in the preparation phase, there are really two bookends that you need to understand and really embrace. One is, what is the intention for having this conversation? Meaning, why do I want to have this conversation? Why do I want to have this conversation now? Why do I want to have this conversation with this person, right? Because we need to get into our mind what it is that we're trying to accomplish. The other bookend is what is the objective? So what am I trying to get out of the conversation? So different from why you're having it, what am I trying to get out of the conversation so that I can direct the tone and tenor of the conversation? Those two bookends will help me to decide, am I still on the right track? Am I going to allow this person to speak and to provide the information that I really need to be able to get to where I want them to be or where I want to be at the end of this conversation. So those are two of the pillars in the prepare section. In the engage section, it's really about understanding that we are having a dialogue and not a debate. And this is vitally important because, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I love all the debates. <laughs> I love confrontation. And we're living in such a divisive society where we're so entrenched in our ideas, right? And so once we get into a conversation, if I don't agree with you, Mike, 
we having a fight. <laughs> like, we're, right. It's a battle, right? I, I'm trying to prove you wrong. You're trying to prove me wrong. But to have these conversations, you have to understand that it's about gathering information, which may change your perspective or it may not. And so the ending may be, we just agree to disagree. And then to address the fear portion, when we're talking about the reflecting on the conversation, once the conversation is over, the real key is to ensure that we don't cause collateral damage because the collateral damage or the potential for collateral damage is what causes the fear, right? And so we have to make sure that we are good stewards of the information that we have received, that if it's something confidential that we don't you know, just let it go out there. But the other thing too, is that if you have learned something, this is something that when we were doing the listening sessions, I always talk to my clients about, it's like, if your employees open up and give you information and you know that there's something that you need to change, you need to adjust, you need to get rid of, you need to implement, you have to do those things because that is part of making sure that there isn't collateral damage. Because now I've, I've opened up, I've given you the information and you do nothing about it. So those are just some of the pieces of the framework, but, and they're really common sense, right? But they're put in such a way that people can work through them and understand, okay, I need to prepare. I need to get myself together. Okay. I'm in the conversation. Let me get in this conversation, do what I'm supposed to do so I can get what I need to get. And when I'm done, let me look at what do I need to do? Do I need to follow up? You know, do I just need to have the com another conversation? So it's, it's really providing the skills and the tools that is going to get people to really engage in these conversations. I really like the perfect framework, easy to remember, preparing, engaging, reflect. And I really appreciate the key distinction, in my opinion, that you made, which is this is a dialogue, not a debate. Uh, I think important mindset for uh, people entering into these conversations and who want to have these conversations should be in uh, so you don't cause collateral damage, as you mm -hmm. mentioned. Yeah, we always talk in our executive programs about being respectful of the information that is shared in our classroom. Same would obviously go for these conversations, right? Be respectful of that information and uh, you know have that intent that we want to have that dialogue. So I love it. Yeah. Now, as people begin to have these conversations, you know, we are human, so mistakes are going to inevitably happen, and it's a learning process. So how can we handle mistakes, and is there anything that can be done maybe in the preparing stage to kind of help avoid some of that? Yes, absolutely. So part of the preparation is to think about what are potential biases that may come up? So I would say like, you know, mind your manners and check yourself, right? So check yourself around potential biases, what frame of mind are you in? Are you in a bad mood? Are you going in there to like tear stuff down? Are you going in there to get clarification? Are you going to get, trying to get changed to behavior? Like what is your mindset in, in getting into this conversation? And one of the rules that you can come to agreement on is, listen, there may be things that I say. There may be words that I use, especially when you're having a conversation about something that is uh, an, an issue that you don't normally talk about, right? So when people were really starting to have uh, conversations around race and racism, there are things that we, you know, we don't usually talk about this stuff. So we may say things. So you can have that conversation with the person, like kind of ground rules to the conversation. Listen, if I say something that offends you, if I say something that hurts you, if I say something that I shouldn't, please stop me. 
please say something about it, right? Instead of just getting mad, which is what we do often, is like now the person said something. So now you're hot, right? <laughs> you are yes. like angry about it. And it changes the tenor of the conversation. So now those two bookends, why am I here? And what do I hope to get out of it? We're going off the rails. And so you have to pull that back in. So just having a, con a, a conversation in the beginning to say, listen, if something happens in this conversation that kind of just you know, catches you the wrong way, please don't like internalize it and don't say something about it. Let's have a conversation about that so we can get back on track. Yeah. No, I love the ground rules concept. Uh, big fan of it for a lot of things, and mm -hmm. especially this type of conversation and also just letting people know up front. If I say something that, that, that offends you, just let me know. And yeah. we can kind of hopefully move on from there and learn a little bit, build some awareness along the way. So far in our conversation, we've been talking about kind of the individual approach. And I'd like to shift the conversation uh, just a hair to the role of a leader. Mm -hmm. And in my introduction, I mentioned that you keep companies out of courtrooms and newsrooms. And there's been a lot of newsroom activity lately <laughs> related to these types of topics. What advice do you have for leaders that are listening to this about how they can help their organization stay out of the newsroom and hopefully stay out of the courtroom too? So I always talk about um, macro cultures and micro cultures. And it's interesting, the concept of leader and who's a leader. So let's start with the macro cultures and the micro cultures. So we have these macro cultures, which are who we consider to be the leader. So it might be the executive team. It might be upper management, right? So we have these macro cultures who are responsible for developing the mission and the value and putting that out there into the world. But inside our organizations, we also have these microcultures. I call them the streets. And in these microcultures or the streets, we have informal leaders who also are <laughs> making rules around vision and value and mission and what is really happening in the organization. Those two have to come together, right? And we have to know that this is happening in the organization. And the, the quote unquote leaders, who I'll say leader by title, right, have to understand that they are not the only leaders in the organization and they have to be listening and they have to be um, really keenly aware of what is happening in the organization and not just brush it off as like, oh, that person is just a troublemaker. Well, here Kelly goes again, or, you know, like, just don't even worry about it. Ignore it. No, because what I found as a lawyer when I used to do all of the investigations is that's where the information is. They know exactly, those streets know exactly what's going on in the organization. And because they're the ones who are doing the day-to-day -day work, they're the ones responsible for helping you to reach your goals. If they are um, against or if they think that you're not doing what you're supposed to do, they're going to destroy that culture. So the leaders have to set the tone, but they also have to understand that they're not the only ones responsible, that everybody in the organization is responsible for creating these types of cultures. And what we have to create is a conversational culture, a culture where people are free and that they can speak their mind and that they know that they're not going to be retaliated against. And a big one too, um, which would come up often like when we did mediations and, and even in trials is I tell you something and you do nothing about it, right? So this is why people say they hate HR, yeah. 
because they feel that like, I tell you something, you do nothing about it. You're on the company side and we have to get that out of it. We have to create a, an environment. You started this off talking about psychological safety. You have to create an environment where people feel safe. I always tell my clients, even if they don't trust the outcome, if you create a process that they can trust, because now they're like, listen, I don't think you came to the right decision. I just don't think that was the right conclusion. However, I trust that the process that you took to get there was a fair process. And so that's where leaders really have to understand. We like to be up here as leaders and be like, oh, well, we set the rules and I do what I say. No, you're not completely in charge. <laughs> you're, you're in charge of creating the landscape, but then you got to go down and see what's happening in that soil, right? What's happening down there in those streets, because that's what's going to either make or break whatever it is that you're trying to do in the culture. There are a few things worse than asking somebody for their thoughts and their opinions and their feedback and then doing nothing with it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So realistically speaking, if an organization has you know, a fair amount of room to grow, let's say, when it comes to building the capability of its workforce to engage in these conversations and to really strengthen that culture around these types of conversations. How long should a leader anticipate it taking to see some results? And what are some good initial results to look for? Yeah, I, it will depend, right? So it depend where you are in this process. There are some organizations where there's nobody talking. Right. We just come to work. We just do what we're going to do. We talk the bare minimum and then we go. There's other organizations where people are talking a little bit and then there's, you know, some where people talk all the time. And so it just depends on where you are. What I would say is where you can start to, to have benchmarks is just look at what is happening in the organization that is causing friction. Are you getting demand letters? Are you getting lawsuits? Are you getting EEOC charges? Are people just calling out of work? Is productivity down? What is happening? Look at the things where you're like, hmm, that's a little bit off, right? And then start to have conversations, start to bring in people like me who train to give people these skills and see, okay, now pick one thing, right? Because we know if we pick everything, we don't know really what works, but really hone in on the thing that is really impacting people. Because what we know is that when people stop talking, it's not that they're not talking. They're not talking to you, right? But they're talking to employment lawyers. They're talking to the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. They're talking to other people and they're gathering information and data to come back at you. So first have a listening session. It's probably what you need to do, right? Because you have to gather the data, like what is really happening? And then take that information on layer on top of that tools that they need. So if people are like, listen, I can't say anything or I'm afraid to say anything or you're in a listening session and they're really just not talking because they'll do that too, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? They're not talking. Then you know, okay, we can't even get the information, right? So you might be at a level where you just can't even get information. You might be at a level where you get some and you might be at a level where people are really, really vocal. And so looking at where you are, and pulling in the pieces, the base level is how do we even have a conversation and how do we start these conversations? So that's why the perfect framework is something that you can really give to people and it's easy. And one of the other things that I, I created is a card deck. Um, it's called the Convo Catalyst card deck and it has scenarios that happen in the workplace. So those can be used as 
icebreakers, you know, an initiation into having conversations where it's not about us, right? It's not about the individual. So people can remove themselves and just have a conversation. Now they start thinking, now they're like, oh, if I had that situation, how would I do this? So there's ways to do that. And, but the measurement has to come like as piece by piece, like what is really happening? What do we see? Where do we see the breakdown, like major breakdown happening and start there, and then you'll see how, you know, things start to go. But once you get people talking, whether it's, whether you like to hear what they say or not, the fact that they're talking is a good thing. Well, those are some great first steps and some recommendations uh, as well as to what to look for as uh, you start moving down the path and, and getting better at this as an organization. Before we wrap up this episode, what final advice or thoughts would you like to share with our audience? What I would like to share is, I I believe this to my heart and to my soul, that open hearts change minds one convo at a time. We often are looking to change people's mind when we have conversations. And one of the things that I did when I first started um, as a professional speaker, right? So going out and being a corporate trainer and a keynote speaker was to really understand my role And my role was not to change people's minds. My role is to open people's hearts to the ideas of maybe shifting their perspectives, right? Because when we try to, you know this, Mike, if you try to change somebody's mind, if you're a parent, (laughs) like, you know, if you try to change a child's mind, then they are just going to be entrenched. As adults, we're the same. Right. And so the the point is to be in a situation and to create an environment where you're opening people's capacity to think differently, to accept differently, to shift. Right. And if we can do that more often, we will see change happening more quickly. So that's what I would say. Well, Kelly, I really appreciate you taking some time in your schedule to talk with me today and our audience. If anybody's interested in learning more from you, where can we point them to? Go to kellycharlescollins.com, kellycharlescollins.com. And if you're on LinkedIn, you can always follow me. I have a newsletter on LinkedIn too that gives all kinds of great information. Great. I'll add information about those two things into the show notes for everybody for easy access. In closing, I'd like to take a moment and thank our listeners. We wish you the best of luck as you move forward on your leadership journey. Please check back regularly for additional episodes.